Good morning, everybody. This morning we're going to do 35 and 36. Sorry, I didn't tell him, but that's okay. Exodus 35 and 36 today. And I want to get right into it. And dishes. My goodness, I almost forgot. From there to here. Bunch of dishes left over from, that, that you brought to use for breaking chains. They're back there on the freezer. Please uh, pick yours up if you've brought one and are missing one. Um, after 30 days, they're ours. So go grab them if, <laughs> if you want them back. Uh, we, we, we declare imminent domain over those dishes. It's in there. It's in Leviticus or something. Exodus 35. Then Moses gathered all... Wait a minute. Did I do that right? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, "Um, These are the words of the Lord, which he has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a, a a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall... Kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Now, I want to stop there. Last week had a wonderful moment with the Lord in chapter 34 where he described all the things he was going to do for the children of Israel. And that's what we're coming off of. I'm going to elaborate on that more as we go through this chapter. Remember, what we're coming off of is God saying, I'm going to do all these wonderful things for you. I'm going to take care of you, you know. Um, and this is one of those things of taking care of us. I, I know he does say he's going to kill you if you don't, but don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> kind of hard not to. Don't take that the wrong way. The idea is I, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. No pun intended, kind of intended. He's very serious about us having some time to rest. I, I didn't come to make, I mean, I did, you know, you brought the curse on yourself. You do have to work because um, the earth's going to produce thorns, and that's just how it's going to be. It's going to be hard for you, Adam. But all that being said, on the seventh day, I want, you to, I want you to just have a rest. I'm authorizing a vacation every week, you know, for 24 hours, do nothing. And then I also want to make sure that that vacation doesn't just go for the guys, it's for the gals too. Not to be sexist, but truly, back then, women did all the cooking. I'm, I love Facebook. I'm getting these great little uh, recipes that are like, my level, you know, kind of thing. It's got like five ingredients and it takes about 10 minutes and it looks pretty well fattening and unhealthy, but good, you know. But for the most part, the women did all the cooking. So I think he adds this in here. Make sure there's no Kindle or fire kindled in the house either. That means she needs to take a break too. Everybody needs the day off, okay? That's the idea. And so God gives them that. Please remember in the New Testament, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, when Jesus was challenged about this day off, this Sabbath, to the Lord. He said this, The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. In other words, we weren't created to fulfill God's laws. God's laws are meant to be a blessing to us. He gave them to us. So I'm giving you a Sabbath so that you can have a break and a rest from that. And then, of course, Paul elaborates on this also in the church, in the New Testament, after all has been fulfilled in Christ, that one man esteems one day above the other, and another man esteems every day alike. I just want to get all those in there as we go through this. But please understand, God has authorized you a day off, you know, so take it. Uh, It'd probably be a great benefit to you if you can do it. Take that day off. Now, verse 4. 
And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. I want you to gather from the people. It's a command. I want you to get the materials for the tabernacle from the people. I'm not so sure it's a command that people have to give, because later on he says everybody who has a willing heart. The command is, I want you to get the materials from the people. This isn't one of those things that's going to drop out of the sky for you. It's not going to be like the quail. It's not going to be like uh, the manna. This is different. I want it to be from you to make this, you know. But then I also want it from a willing heart. We're not going to shake the people down at the door, you know. We don't go to the tents and knock and say, you know, you haven't fulfilled your pledge for the year kind of thing. Um, I want it to be of a willing heart. And these are the things I want you to get. And he gives a, a very specific list because that is what he's earlier when Moses got the plan and the uh, the blueprint of what this tabernacle is supposed to look like, things got in the way as he came down the mountain to give everybody this plan. They were all sinning. He broke the tablets, and now we've got some new tablets made from last week, and we're kind of picking back up again where we left off. These are the things I need, or you're going to need, to build what I showed you on the mountain. Verse 10. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasps, its its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, the ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread. Also, the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps, and the oil for the light. The incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, all its utensils, and the laver and its base. The hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court. The pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, and their cords. The garments of the, min- of the ministry for ministering in the holy place. The holy garments for Aaron, the priest, or the priest, and the garments for his sons to minister as priests. So he gives them a list of the things they're going to make from those materials. All that God has commanded, not what they've come up with. Artisans, for sure, to come in and give their flair to it as God, by his Holy Spirit, shows them to make these specific items, but no more and no less. Very important. God's given us bounds. Of, of course, there's more things you could make. Of course, there's more things you could add to this tabernacle, and yet not authorized by God. God created for six days, and on the seventh day he rested. It's not because he ran out of ideas, it's because that's enough. This is what I want to do. I'm done. We're going to stop here. But he didn't certainly run out of ideas. And so God, even himself, has set boundaries for the earth, for the creation, for even for this, and for our lives. Of course, there's lots of things that are permissible. There's lots of things you could do. There's lots of places you could go. Lots of ministry fields you could jump into and do. Nevertheless, God's called us to specific things, to do specific things. No more 
and no less either. We're all called to something. And so staying within those bounds is very, uh, let's say for one thing, but it's going to be very effective because you're right where God wants you to be. And you're doing exactly what he's equipped you to do. There's many times that I've gone to my, I have a garage that I can't park cars in. Does anybody have a garage like that? I'm sorry. I tried not to become one of those people, but I am one of those people. I've got three pianos in there right now, or two pianos in there right now, that I want to, they're just old pianos that I want to kind of make up and set out here for the kids to play on. They can just get rained on and who cares about it, you know, but they're just still sitting there for six months now. They haven't been touched. Well, I've got all these tools out there and I've got a lot of tool bags, very organized at one point, and then they get scattered. And so I go out for a specific tool and oftentimes I can't find it. So I go buy another one. Very efficient, because then you have 12 Phillips head number two screwdrivers instead of just the one you need. But there's been times I can't find anything, but I need it right now, and so I'll take a different kind of tool and use it for a job with which it was not intended. And it does work. I mean, I make it work, but it ain't pretty, is the idea. God has called us to that. We're a big toolbox here. You know, this is one big uh, bag of people, tools in God's hands. If you're born again, if you're if you've made yourself available to be put into the master's hand, you are a tool, but you're made for a specific thing. That's why he calls it the body of Christ. I mean, he uses lots of metaphors. I use the tool when he uses the body. One guy's a big toe, the other guy's an eye, an ear, and so on. We all have different jobs, different things we're called to do. Likewise, with this tabernacle, there's some specific things I want to use in the worship of myself as you guys come and speak with me and pray and sing and offer incense and offer sacrifices. These are the things necessary. No more, but no less either. And so he gives them that list again in case they'd forgotten. These are the things you're going to make. Verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. All those who were stirred, that's probably the most important word out of all the chapter, both chapters today is stirred. They were stirred by God. So important to pay attention to that stirring of the Lord. I mean, that is the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. As a Christian, you feel stirred to do this, but you don't feel stirred to do that. I pay attention to those things. There's a lot of people that will tell you, you should be stirred, but I'm not. But you should be stirred in this area. It sounds like you're stirred in this area. I am stirred, and you should be stirred too, but I'm not. So maybe you're supposed to go do what you're stirred to do. And I don't need to worry about it. I should do what I'm stirred to do. Being stirred, I think, is one of the most important things a Christian, as a new believer, as an old believer, can learn or remember that they need to be stirred. There's a problem, though, if you're not stirred for anything. That's something to pray about. But if you are stirred in a certain area, guess what? That's the Lord. He's stirring you causing you to move, to be unsettled in your heart. I can't stop thinking about this thing. This is something I need to do. I don't know why. I just I need to go do this. And everybody else around you who isn't stirred to do that will think you're mad. They just do. What do you mean you're going to go do that? That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. That's not the right time. That's a Tell him, you know, pray for me that I might better hear the Lord then, you know. But right now I'm stirred. 
and they came. You know what stirred them? That's why I started off this way with referring back to chapter 34. What stirred them is what Moses told them about what God was going to do for them and has done for them. See, they gotten sidetracked when he went up on the mountain and only took 40 days for them to forget about all the things that God had done for them in the nation of uh, Egypt and bringing them out through the wilderness and all the signs and wonders he had done with the parting of the Red Sea and the quail and the manna and all the things he had done. He, they quickly, in 40 days, they forsook all of that and began to worship other gods because they were tired of waiting. They were impatient. So God reiterates to them all that he's done for them. In fact, some of the things he tells them is that I want to have an exclusive relationship with you. The second thing is I want you to have rest. We just read about that today. I want to give you rest. Remember where they've been for 400 years. Laboring, slave labor. I want to give you rest. Feasts. I want to give you all these feasts. Remember last week he described it. I want you to have these feasts. And then protection. Don't worry, when you go to these feasts, when you leave or when you go take off, I'll protect what's left behind. I am your rear guard, your forward guard. I'm, I'm your protection. And then finally, I'm going to be your provision, he said last week. I'm going to give you all these things. See, besides Christ calling us the body of Christ, the church, that we are the body and, and all that, it's a great metaphor, and he uses that in different ways, but he also uses the other metaphor that we're the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And this is what a husband does, or this is what a suitor does when he's trying to win the heart of his loved one. His eyes are set upon her. He sees her across the room, and he he can't stop thinking about her. He wants her to be with him forever. And so he does everything he can do to demonstrate that love for that bride-to-be. And that's what this is all about. Israel is the bride of the Father. The church is the bride of Christ calls us that. In both both the Old Testament calls Israel his bride. And then also in the New Testament calls us, the church, the bride of Christ. And he's been doing that in chapter 34. We're the responders to that. The, the woman is always the responder. She gets to sit back in the parlor and the guy's got to show up with chocolates and flowers and knock and be uncomfortable and scared and nervous, you know? And she gets to sit there. Now, granted, she's probably as nervous as he is, but She's in her own home turf, you know. And you walk in and you start talking. And this is what God's doing with them. Don't you know how much I love you, that I'm going to be uh, exclusive with you. I want you to be exclusive with me. I don't want these other guys in these relationships, no other gods before me. I want to give you rest. I want to make sure your feet never touch the earth, honey. I want to give you feasts great banquets and time to spend together with family. I want to come together and have these moments. I want to be your protector. I want to watch out for you and guard over you. I want to make sure you're safe as as much as I can. Of course, God is able. And I want to be your provider. I want to be the one that you look to, and, and there's no hesitation in my eyes or in my voice. Of course, of course, of course. So with all that happening in chapter 34, we get to 35 where he says, I want you to come and build this tabernacle, but only those with a willing heart. So you can't force a woman to love you. You can't force a girl to fall in love with you. You can't make her become your bride, but you woo her and you do whatever you can. And this is the church or this is the Israel, the 
bride of the father, responding to that. All the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meaning for all its service and for all the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord, and every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skins of lamb, and badger skins, they brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver and bronze brought the Lord's offering, and everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and spices and oil for the light for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. Neat. Neat. Never had to ask again. Never had to even woo again. Continues to love on her, his bride. Continues to watch out for her. Continues to fulfill all that he's promised to do for her. Now she's not going to do so well later on. But that doesn't change his love for her. In 2 Corinthians 9-7, Paul writes about this giving in the church. He says, only give what you purpose in your heart to give. This is a paraphrase. You can read it on your own. And God loves a cheerful giver. It's got to be that way. Otherwise, don't. And Christ will still woo you. And Jesus will still but it always has to be a response to what he's already done for you. It can't be because there's pressure. It can't be because the world thinks you ought to. It can't be for any other reason but because you have fallen madly in love with Jesus Christ and you can't help yourself but respond to that. And it's not only just in tithes and offerings, as has been described here in the physical, but it's also in the gifts. These artisans are coming forward to do these things because they're stirred to do this for the Lord. The gifts that God's given me, I I can't help but use them to make him happy. I want him happy, you know. I don't know how much of an effect we have on that, but we do see him angry sometimes, jealous sometimes, and we see him overjoyed sometimes. And uh, that's how we want to be, and it's, it's all dependent upon how we're responding to him, you know. It's a beautiful thing to see here. They respond to this wonderful work of God. And guys, when you minister the gospel to people, remember that's what has to happen. Their hearts have to be given to Jesus because they're responding to the greatest gift he ever gave as he's washing them and washing their feet with the loincloth wrapped around them, goes out the next day and dies on the cross for their sins. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's what draws people. If I am high and lifted up, I will draw all peoples to myself. That's how he knew it. It's the only way they're going to know how much I love them. That's the only way they're going to respond properly because I don't want to force it. That's the idea. Beautiful. Verse 30. 
And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord is called uh, by name uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all matter of artistic workmanship. We discussed this earlier where Moses got this blueprint from the Lord. He must have been wondering, I, I don't know, I'm not a gem cutter. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do half of this stuff. And God says, don't worry, I've, I've given this over to other people to do. And so he brings along this guy, this um, Bezalel. Verse 34, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of uh, Ahissamach, or Hissamach, uh, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. We've got them. We can do that. And uh, I've got some guys that can do that. And it's not only that they're going to do all the work, they're going to be the overseers, basically. There's going to be a lot of people doing it, but they're going to be able to watch and teach and show and say, yeah, that's right, and so on. And God's given them that gift. That isn't something that they've learned. They may have honed it. You know, there's nothing wrong with you may be a very gifted pianist, but you need to practice and you need to get into it a little bit more and, and learn um, and, and, and hone those gifts. But there's some people that can play and there's just some people that can't. I'm a can't play the piano. Um, there's a lot of things I can't do. And I found out the hard way what I can't do. And there's some things I can do and I stick to those things. But it doesn't mean you don't hone them. It doesn't mean you don't work on them, you know. So that's where we're at. Now verse chapter 36. And Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. They're going to do it. Then Moses called um, Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. And over in an abundance, above and beyond, you know, because that's how he gives to us. We've got a great example in Jesus Christ. It goes above and beyond what's necessary. It blesses us way beyond what we're due, you know. There's, and, I, and, you know, I've shared this before. It's a, it's a parenting thing with me. Um, it's a pet peeve of mine when I hear that people are going to, you're going to spoil those kids because you give them too much or you bless them too much or whatever. And I, and I, and I say, oh, <laughs> you know, and I try not to get mad at them. But my kids are spoiled when they're, when they're unthankful. Not because of the amount that they get. Because certainly 
if there's a spoiled kid, it's the earth compared to what God's blessed us with. You know, and what makes us spoiled children of God is when we're unthankful. We, we, we don't ever say, God, that's enough. You need to give us a little bit of a drought, although we may want it today. I don't know. It's been raining for a while. <laughs> but it's time to make, bring some hardship on us. We need to learn how to keep our, you know, you know whatever, pick, up, pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and all that. And that's just not, that's not how he is. I'm, I'm just going to shower you with blessings. When, when you stand before me, they'll be without excuse. I reign on the just and the unjust alike. The blessing falls because I'm good, because that's what I do. They may be unthankful. They may not give credit where credit is due, and those would be the spoiled brats of the earth, you know. But he blesses us abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He just does. And to the point where the people pick up on that. My goodness, we have manna every morning. We have quail every morning. We've got water that comes out of this rock. It's amazing. He's guiding us. He's our shadow over the daytime when the sun is beating down on us in the desert. And he's our, he's our, he's our guide at night. He's our nightlight with that pillar of fire. You know? He wiped out the entire armies of Egypt so that we don't have any enemies. He, and he also promises that when we go into the promised land, he's going to wipe out all those enemies as well. He says that we can have feasts, that we can have a day of rest, and so they respond because of all that blessing to give above and beyond from their hearts, their gifts, and their talents to the Lord. My life is yours, all of it. All of it. When I, when I first came to the Lord, and I'm sure it was the same for most of us, you had some people around you that didn't know Jesus at all or were religious in some way, shape, or form. And they saw this crazy person in front of them who was absolutely born again, madly in love with Jesus Christ, going above and beyond what the call of religion requires. You know, and they, they didn't get it. They may still not get it. And they look at you and they say, you're nuts. I may be, maybe I am, madly in love with Jesus. I can't stop, you know. I'm going above and beyond religion. Religion is what I have to do, what I must do. Love is what can I do, what more can I do, you know, kind of thing. And they pick that up from God. They're responding to what he's already showed them, and they're giving it back. And that's, that's for all of us. When I find myself reluctant, when I find myself maybe getting a little screw, Ebenezer Scroogey, you know, in my life, um, it's good to remind myself of all that God's done for me and is doing for me, you know, to read a little bit more, to meditate a little bit more. And I find myself being far more generous with my time, with my efforts, with my love for others and for him, I've become more generous just by being around him. So tell him to stop bringing in the stuff. We've got enough. This is going to be one big tabernacle, bigger than God designed it if we keep receiving it. So tell him that's enough. We've got enough. So Moses gave a command, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Now, the rest of chapter 36 is verbatim chapter 26. So I'm not going to read it to you, and that's where we're going to close today. You can read it on your own. You can compare it if you want to. We've already been 
We've already taught 26, so I'd, I'd be saying the same things over again. You can read them and bring them together and look at them, but they're almost identical to chapter 26 of Exodus. So that's where we're going to close this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all you've done for us, God. We thank you for the blessings that you've showered on us, um, above and beyond what we deserve or even need, for sure. Um, and we want to respond, Lord. Um, we want to say thank you. We want to be thankful, kids. We understand we didn't deserve these things, but you've given, to them, given them to us anyway, and we love you. Yes, you've given us our daily needs, but you've also given us our wants, and um, we just love you. Lord, we just want to be stirred now, too. And uh, I don't think we have to ask to be stirred, but um, we do want to be stirred in the right direction. Let's put it that way. Stirred to do this, not to do that. Whatever it is you have for us, whatever it is it's uh, uh, the good work that you've laid out before us to walk in, that's what we want to be stirred to do. And Lord, help us to be bold and abundant when we do. Bless these folks as they go today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.